Welcome to the new media show, where each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, UTC plus 4, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee take their over 30 combined years of leadership in the podcasting space to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct the current podcasting news, forecasts, trends, and predictions. Now here are your hosts, Academy of Podcasting Hall of Famers, Todd Cochran and Rob Greenlee. Hey, Rob, here we are, and we are officially on episode 502 because I published 501 on Monday. (laughs) And we'll have 503 next Monday with the catch up episode. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. And we got a a guest today. We do. To create a little trifecta of podcast hosting platforms, we have um, Mr. Albin. Brooke has joined us from Buzzsprout. Um, Alvin, it's great to have you on the on the program. I know we're kind of known for kind of like being a being a show that kind of brings competitors together, right? <laughs> so yeah, well, I figured, you know, you might as well join us and 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 talk about the podcasting space. I think it's always great to bring bring um, kind of key leaders in the industry all together to talk together. Cause I think that there's a lot of topics that, um, can only really be talked about on a cross kind of a cross platform kind of perspective. And I think Todd and I have been trying to do this for, for a long time. And back when we started this show, Todd and I weren't competitors. So we've never really thought of ourselves <laughs> really as, as, as competitors. It's only been recent years that that's happened, but thank you so much for Jumping on Skype, I'm sure it's been a long time since you used Skype too. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to tease you about it, but um, it definitely was not on this computer. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to get to connect online. We always see each other at conferences and mostly uh-huh. have booths right next to each other. And uh, congratulations on 500 episodes. I'm uh, I'm bummed that I didn't get to be on episode 500. I just missed it. Well, we missed it too. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say anything about it. We forgot. <laughs> so I have to say one thing. I learned something about your album that I didn't know before. Okay. You're a lawyer. Right. I am. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Rob, how did you invite a, invite a lawyer to the show? <laughs> we got him now, don't we? No. We do. <laughs> I didn't. I had no. I had near. Rob said, oh, I'm going to invite. Uh, I said, a lawyer? He's a lawyer? Really? Well, you know, every company needs a lawyer on the team. You know why? <laughs> because it really saves a lot of money on, you know, we have a lawyer on our team too. So it's, it's you know, it it saves a lot when you happen to just contract review and all that stuff. So I'm sure you get hit up on that as well. It's, um, it's actually nice. I mean, I left law because I was not going to be an exceptional lawyer, in my opinion. It was not the lifestyle that I was looking for. Um, and podcasting was something that I loved and there was an opening. And so it uh, worked out perfectly for me, but it's funny now, you know, a lot of times marketing and legal are at odds with each other. The marketing team wants to say something fanciful that obviously isn't true. And the lawyers are like, Hey, that's actually not accurate. Please don't (laughs) say it. And, uh, we're lucky that I've got both sides of that. So I'm keeping myself in check. You know, and it's, it is, uh, it's true because there's sometimes I'll have something I've said, Barry, can I say this? And he's like, not unless you want to get sued (laughs) (laughs) or something to that effect. And, uh, yeah, so I understand. So very, very good. So I think this is probably, you're probably the second lawyer we've had on this show. 
we had Gordon on before, I and, believe. And Lindsay, I think. Oh, yeah, maybe Lindsay was a lawyer. Pandora too. as well yeah. as a lawyer. Yeah. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, lawyers converted to uh, podcast entrepreneurs, so it's yeah. all good. Yeah. So, so what uh, kind of lawyering did you specialize in your education? Did you move towards kind of um, contract law or was it um, criminal stuff? Just curious. So um, law runs in the family. My great-grandfather, grandfather, and dad have all been lawyers or judges. And they all advised me not to go to law school. And part of my teenage rebellion, I guess, was like, oh, I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> so I, um, I'd worked as a paralegal before for a, full, a few years and okay. uh, went to Georgia for law school and practiced uh, construction law, which so lots of oh. construction defects and Lots of contract right. work. Um, contract, yeah. But uh, I'm more excited about talking about the, you know, an industry where we're building new things, not complaining <laughs> about whose fault it was that a building uh, right. is starting to fall apart. So yeah. uh, podcasting yeah, exactly. was a big passion of mine and probably was listening to lots of shows that um, your company's hosted and uh, ended up finding out there was a podcasting company in my hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. So how did you move from going from kind of being being interested in being a lawyer and doing that kind of stuff over to being kind of a marketing guy? It seems and then and then content. So what was the kind of hinge that made that switch happen? So podcasting for me probably started 2006 or so. Started listening to shows okay. um, as soon as iTunes added podcasts. Right, and I'd load them up on my iPod and take them for a run and. After school, I went and taught. Um, after college, I taught school in rural Haiti, and we didn't have internet. Oh. But every once in a while, I'd get the internet for a little bit, and I'd download shows. I think I listened to a lot of This American Life and some philosophy podcasts, and I that was my one connection back to the states. And Got it was it. a lot of the English that I was listening to at the time. So when I had a good friend from college who was a programmer at Buzzsprout, um, John Pollard, who's still here. He was like, yeah, I think, um, I think we're probably going to hire someone for marketing. And I was so tired of being a lawyer. I was like, you know, if you got me an interview, I would, I would take that job. I don't care what the pay cut would be. I'd do it. Uh, and, uh, then the opportunity came up. They said, come over and answer emails and try to figure out this marketing thing and see if it works. And, uh, thought, I thought about it for a few days and ended up taking it. So, uh, the rest is history. Been here since 2014, and uh, yeah. thrilled to be in this industry with you. Yeah, and you know, just as a little antidote, I have to throw one more thing out there. As a kid, I was in government, and we went up to the state assembly or the state legislature, and we did mock trials up there. and uh, And I was the uh, lead counsel on something, you know, as a kid. And one of the lawyers there said, "You'd make a great lawyer," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> No, I wouldn't. But anyway, enough <laughs> lawyer jokes. Um, and that would have been a joke for me going to law school. I don't think that would have, I don't think I'd have done well either. I think but, that compliment mostly means that you're argumentative. Right. I, I think <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think anyone. Well, you're you're it, righteous in your pursuits. Yeah. Yes. I think anyone that listens to this show knows we're argumentative here. Hey, before we get too deep in, I want to thank uh, Craig. This has been on my desk for a week and I, or two, and I apologize. The Garden Question podcast sent us a sticker so we got a sticker for the sticker board and uh, uh craig we will be sending you a, a a sticker package back so it's the garden question podcast with craig 
McManus. So uh, thanks for sending your sticker to the the show and in and your self address stamp envelope for the return. So we'll make sure we get that back to you here directly. But yeah, that's great. So I saw the news today, and actually it popped last night. Someone in a Slack channel said, "Hey, look at what Spotify's doing now." So I thought it would be an interesting to lead the conversation off about the podcasting space. We were we were ready to go hot and heavy on it last week, but I guess this kind of adds the pile on. Right. Spotify has announced select podcasters in the United States and a number of them, in, everyone in New Zealand can now publish a podcast directly on SoundCloud. They don't have to use that uh, boat anchor. So they just go and <laughs> <laughs> they just go on Spotify and post their podcast. So I thought, hmm. The first vision that came into my mind was this big wall, like a moat. You know, maybe maybe moat's the better thing. They they dug a moat, and they put their castle in the middle of the moat, and they lowered the drawbridge, and they welcomed a whole bunch of people on. They said, well, now it's time to raise the drawbridge and keep them all inside. So they think they're going to have a million new podcasters podcasting directly on Spotify. Is it really then ever truly going to be a podcast anymore? I guess the devil's in the details, but I find it very, very curious. Well, I think this we've been, been talking about we... this for a while, Todd, about the pursuit of exclusives, right, is really at the core of this. And and I think this is this is a little bit of an example of, of you know, a uh, you know, a fear that I've had for a long time of the direction of the industry is that we're going to move towards each of these big listening platforms wanting to get content uploaded to them directly, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which isn't a huge surprise thinking about how many of the listening platforms have acquired hosting platforms, right? Like like um, Anchor with Spotify is a good example of that. I don't know. So um, what's your thought on this, Alvin? I know uh, Todd and I have shared our thoughts you know, exhaustively on this topic. So we would love to hear, hear your thoughts on this trajectory that appears to be emerging around exclusives. So, I mean, there's at least two conversations I'd want to have. One is the exclusive side, but the other is the attempt by Spotify to turn podcasting into a platform that they control. Um, right. Whenever you see people raising incredible amounts of money, it's because they think there's incredible amounts of money to be made. Mm. And the only way really that ends up making sense for Spotify is if um, Spotify becomes the de facto place where people go to listen to podcasts. And right. a, a lot of- Or their, the um, biggest, right? Is that what you're saying? I would argue that the only way this makes sense is if they imagine they could become the platform for podcasting. So they want right. to be- you know, there, there's a there's Vimeo out there, and I'm sure there's other video hosting sites, but it's YouTube. And um, the goal, I think, of so many companies is they want to be the platform because what you do is once you have all the audience and you've got all the creators and you've got the advertisers, and they all come to you. And whether you're Google in the middle of search or you're um, YouTube in the middle of video or one of the social media giants, you get to skim off a healthy amount of profit for yourself and you get to dominate an industry. 
And I think at some point, probably around 2016, Spotify looked around and said, you know, Apple's never really made a play for this podcasting thing. Maybe that fits really nice into our business model. And so we've seen it for now six years, um, a steady move towards, can we own this? Um, and obviously not just for a business purpose, but also for, you know, my love of the podcasting genre, I really hope that it stays this free, a little bit wild protocol that mm -hmm. has um, been around since, you know, 2001. And we're all in, have this really wonderful, diverse ecosystem because it isn't controlled by anybody and everybody has tons of options. So these types of things on the web have disappeared for a long time. Uh, everybody wants to centralize. Podcasting is right now, it's one of the three, I think, places where you can be on your own. And like, we really should not give these up unless we have a very good reason. And I don't think right now what Spotify is offering is a good enough reason to throw away this uh, protocol that we have. So I'm curious, what were the other two? I would argue the three things that you can control yourself are, <laughs> this is going to be no surprise to Todd, Mr. Own Your Own Domain, um, your own website, right? email, right. and yep. podcasting. Oh, that's so, interesting. I think I would agree, but email, yeah, you can control it, well, but it's, it's still snooped on. Yeah, because I think most it's people, what newsletters, right? Being able to capture people's email addresses outside of any proprietary platform, right? Yeah, I, and yeah, I would I would agree that pod, I I keep saying podcasting is the last bastion of free speech, and and openness and no controls, and you know we've talked about this five jillion times on this show, literally, and so it comes as no surprise to this audience. But you know I I just wonder how many content creators are going to say, oh, this is cool. I can, I can create a show on Spotify and that's a place to be. And they just have nary a clue what they're locking themselves into. And then later on, they're going to go, Oh, Oh, look at all these other places that I'm not at. Maybe they'll, I, I don't know. I, if, 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 uh, I doubt Spotify is going to give these folks, uh, an RSS feed. Um, to be able to share on other networks. Maybe they will. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. It, to me, it just kind of makes me go, oh, here we go. Well, this has been the, well, the only way this works quite a while, is right? if uh, Spotify can capture um, a majority of the listeners out there, right? But, but Rob, uh, a lot of content creators, they, again, they don't do research now. They just jump and do stuff. Right, I agree. I, I, I agree though, but if, if, and this is kind of a, kind of a much bigger discussion, but we've talked about it on the show before, but you know, you look at somebody like a Joe Rogan, was Joe Rogan better off from an audience perspective, um, moving to Spotify or staying as a independent RSS based show? Um, could he have made more money, I guess is what, what I'm saying and built a much more influential and sizable audience by staying as an open RSS based podcast Rob, versus doing an exclusive deal with one platform. Rob, when someone comes to you with a $200 million check, I, I, I'm not it. really even, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't make the right choice. Right. I'm just saying purely from a distribution and audience perspective, did he make the right choice? 
Um, I don't think it matters when they write a $200 million check. Well, it does matter, though, from our perspective, right? Well, no, so it if, matters for him. <laughs> if, if the industry is moving towards exclusives, right, where, where a podcaster decides, well, I'm going to be a Spotify podcaster, right? I'm not going to be a podcaster. I'm going to be a Spotify podcaster. And that changes the whole dynamic of whether or not that show can scale based on a on a open distribution strategy. I guess the question is, is being on Apple, being on Spotify, being on, you know, all of the smaller apps going to get you better scale than being just on one. Here's my prediction. With them having opened up the ability for a WordPress user to send a blog post right. to Spotify and as a podcast, and with them opening up and allowing anyone to create a show on Spotify directly, <laughs> I'm happy I'm not part of that monitoring team that's having to deal with spammers, <laughs> scam artists, all the stuff that comes from the vultures are going to go, oh, wow, you mean I can, oh man, I, I, okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Have fun, and we'll see how much junk. Now, if someone wants to really start a cool podcast, they need to go out there and start looking at spot. Of course, someone that's going to be New Zealand right now, probably it's limited to New Zealand. Go there and look and find what kind of, you know, who's used a VPN to say they're in New Zealand to create a show that is going to be in some, come by my forty nine ninety five uh get rich quick, uh you know, series. And I, I, I I'm just... A little, hmm. I don't know how they're going to do it with content moderation. It's going to be a big job. Well, I think it, they've been refining that content moderation for a few years now. So. <laughs> we know that's true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Alpin, what's your thoughts on all that? I, I think that the thing I want to think about is what are we doing to pitch a more exciting future for podcasting as an open space than what yeah, Spotify right. is doing Um Spotify has, I mean, they've told us the game plan since the beginning. They say RSS is outdated. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to need to move beyond this. We have so many exciting features that could never be part of it. And it's, you know, as a, as somebody who's creating video right now, YouTube is the place to go. No one's, I, um, I know there's some people and I know this show is on a video podcast at times, but Video podcasting is nowhere near as big as YouTube, and they've made no. that so much more attractive than right. video podcasting. And so I want to think about, and maybe we could talk about, what can we say about podcasting that's more exciting than what Spotify can say? Um, why is the walled garden not as nice as being truly open and free? And my answer to that is, I mean, Look at how the largest shows on Spotify um, who went exclusive, like Joe Rogan, like a lot the Ringer shows and all the there's just tons of shows that they've made exclusives that they got big by doing things like experimenting with YouTube and um, building their own world outside of podcasting where they were free to try things out. And right. when something worked, they kept the rewards of uh, all their hard work. Um, I look a lot of times at the platforms as a content creator. I think what's scary about the platforms is they dictate the entire terms of the relationship. Right. 
And so if I ever get this thing to work, mm-hmm. if my dream for this podcast actually takes off, well, do I get to monetize this or do I end up like one of those people who has a million followers on a Facebook uh, page mm-hmm. and it doesn't do anything for me Nothing. because I can't reach them unless I'm boosting my own posts, you right. know? Right. So did that this morning, $250 for five days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should start a podcast, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Call it Boost. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, you're you're correct, and you look at the number. So this we're streaming right now live on YouTube, and uh, right. you know, and I've I've we we've streamed this show for ten years on a variety of different. We we're not a how should we say an edited. We don't follow the format of a successful. YouTube channel where there's lots of transitions and, you know, almost a storyline, quick cuts and back and forth. We're, we're two guys and not today, three guys just on camera and why they watch online on YouTube. I don't know, but not many do more listen to the video podcast than we'll ever tune into YouTube. And it's kind of weird because we'll get several thousand views on the video portion of this podcast where the YouTube video might get 30. So it's it's not that we've never spent time promoting or building the YouTube channel because, well, we're talking to podcasters, number one. So it's we know where our audience consumes the content. So it's it's a little different. Uh, my tech show even is on YouTube and it's, you know, it doesn't get hardly any views. But again, it's not my favorite. I would not watch me on YouTube. <laughs> I wouldn't. Well, what's interesting is what was announced by a YouTube staff member just this week is, you know, upload your, your show up to, up to YouTube directly and create a playlist for your podcast. Done right? that. Done that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, YouTube is clearly coming, right? right. For podcasting. Not that they haven't been involved for many years. I know I remember talking to the YouTube team when I was working for Podcast One back in 2014. They had a, a couple of people on the YouTube team that were focused on aggregating podcast content into the platform. So it's not like you. this is something new for YouTube. It's just what we may be seeing is something a new expansion of what they're interested in doing with podcasting. Um but I think this concept of uploading audio directly to them and then creating a playlist is it's kind of a, a hack on their current infrastructure. It's not really trying to embrace podcasting per se. Um, it's, it's because whatever they have planned to do isn't ready yet or something like that. So I'm not sure exactly what the total game plan is and what they're trying to do over there. But YouTube clearly, just like what you said, Alvin, um, you know, YouTube has a significant play uh, that's growing and it's been growing for many years. So like Todd said, we've been on YouTube for, I don't know how many years. Um, so, but he's right. We don't get a lot of watches on this on YouTube, but we do get quite a few downloads of our video podcasts. We've been a little contrary and, and maybe we're a couple of dinosaurs in this, um, and not seeing what the future looks like. I don't know what's your perspective on that. Are things changing where, the video podcast is going to on the old definition, is it going to grow or are we going to see YouTube come in and squash video podcasting finally or not? But Apple still supports video podcasting. So we're going to keep doing it. 
Yeah, my take on YouTube is, um, I mean, YouTube's one of our largest marketing channels for Buzzsprout. We put up tons right. of video content. We've been doing that for three, four years. I love YouTube. Um, it's a great way to learn almost anything you want to learn. There's oh, I agree. Ton, they've done tons for creators. They've tried to make monetization as good as possible. Um, mm-hmm. It's tried. definitely been a... <laughs> they, well, they've experimented with lots of things, so I will give them that. Um, yeah. it's been great for us. We've really appreciated, um, being able to put up content and then getting it out to the world for us. So mm-hmm. I'm very high on YouTube. Uh, obviously we all see the Edison research data saying, if you ask people what list all the podcast players and all the ways you listen to podcasts, the most common answer, the one that has the highest percentage is YouTube. A lot. Of, I mean, I know there's some shows I will consume on YouTube because Um, mainly ones that have like celebrities or people that you know their face and you kind of want the instant reaction. Well, YouTube is a great way to get that. So one of the shows I watch has lots of athletes and like, I want to see their faces when they're telling me, um, what they thought about something. But for the average podcaster, that show that doesn't have a production team, doesn't have a studio, doesn't have in-person guests, doesn't have a great camera setup. I, I, I think for those that do, there's huge opportunities. For those that don't, I'm not, I don't know if I agree with that. Because, you know, it's, you know, for a big show maybe. But again, uh, you know, how many, are people just listening only to big shows? I don't think so. Well, I would differentiate between the podcast industry. Let's, we could talk about it two ways. We can talk about the number of shows and what number of shows right. are on YouTube, and that percentage is very low. But what percentage of all the plays they're having in the po- happening in the podcast industry? What percentage mm-hmm. of those plays is there a video component? And I think that percentage is way larger. You know, some of the very biggest podcasts, especially interview shows, are doing video. Of course. Now, yeah. I'm not right. teaching the YouTube or the uh, Buzzsprout podcasters. Hey, you've got to be on YouTube because. They're already figuring out content and they're trying to figure out how to record into a microphone correctly. And they've got right. enough things on their plate right now. Setting up a video is a whole nother thing. Trying to figure out how to mo- right. market and monetize their shows. But for a, if you've got a production team and you're trying to learn how to get distribution for your show, uh, YouTube has been highly successful. And I think um, podcasts like Joe Rogan or Pod Save America or H3 have shown this can be a really good way to grow a podcast and get a really large audience and then turn that audience from just a video only audience to they're also listening to my RSS feed where I have a much more direct connection to them. We found right. though that over the years, it's been very, very, very tiny percentage of podcasts that have had either a successful YouTube channel and a successful podcast. It's been a very, very, tiny, tiny percentage. And I don't represent a tiny percentage. I represent 97% of the podcasters that are independent podcasters that are growing their shows that don't have teams. They're a team of one. They're GM. They're the producer. They're the talent. They're the editor. You know, everyone's getting wrapped around the axle about all of these high-end shows. Uh, To be honest with you, that's not the people I'm worried about. I'm worried about the the, the, the individual content creator like, that's in his closet 
trying to create a great podcast. Um, and you know, I, I don't doubt YouTube is good for some people, but I think it's very, very hard mm -hmm. for an average pad podcaster to break out. Maybe for discovery, maybe they'll get discovered over there, but think about the work they have to do to have yeah. a successful podcast on YouTube that I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's very, very challenging. And again, there's not a lot of YouTubers that have successfully made the transition to having successful podcasts. It's a very small, small percentage. I, I would push back on that, um, Todd, a little bit. We, and this may be selection bias because we uh, do much more marketing on YouTube, that mm -hmm. we get a lot of podcasters that sign up with Buzzsprout that I end up going like, oh, I've seen that YouTube channel. Well, that's um, different. That's a marketing vehicle. We're talking about average podcasters that are creating content. They're getting started. We're not talking about a company that has a budget to create podcasts and do production on YouTube. We're talking about it. We're talking about independent content creators that are trying to build audience. So I, again, I, I if, you, if you have time and you have good production, I think you can be very successful on YouTube. But again. I don't think that fits the mold for 97% of podcasters that are out there. One of yeah, the things I think that I, there's another part, part of this too, is I, I've been, as you guys both know, I mean, I've been around the medium a long time and both you guys have as well, but I've, I've become a pretty heavy YouTube consumer over the last year or so. Um, I, that's where I get most of my content now. And what I find is it's really interesting. The more I think about it is, is it, there are channels that I follow on a regular basis that I watch. Now the algorithm feeds my, my consumption habit to some degree. Um, and it's probably more significant than I'm willing to give credit to it. But, um, it, I tend to want to watch those shows, even though they have an audio podcast, because I'm sitting in front of that big screen television. I'm in a lean back consumption experience, right? Podcasting is a little bit more lean forward. You got to control your device and all this stuff where YouTube is a little bit more automated and a little easier, you know, to, to, to actually manage just plays in my living room. I, I, I don't have to put on headphones and do all this stuff to, to prepare for, li for listening to an audio show. So I'm, I'm just wondering, and I have had some people that I've worked with in the past that have, have really focused on video, you know, and produced quality, whether it be sh mainly short form video content that is compatible or comparable to their long form audio content, um, and have built successful channels on that model where the content that's made into video is a little shorter than the content that's put out as an audio podcast. And they kind of complement each other to some degree. But um, I just think it's fascinating that I, I, I've contacted some YouTubers out there that are very successful at what they're doing. And they're primarily all spoken word, most of them. And they, they have no interest in putting out their audio as, a, as an audio podcast because they find it as kind of a distraction from what they're doing. And I think... I just think it's fascinating. I mean, Alvin, do you find that to be the case too? So, you know, if you ever talk to a successful YouTuber that they don't even think about putting it out, their audio out as a video podcast, because they're so focused on the video production. 
Yeah, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier when I said to Todd that we see a lot of people who are successful on YouTube as YouTubers. Right. Then go, I love this medium for one thing, and that's these quick edit, very intense videos. But I want to be able to have longer conversations where people are sticking around for 45 minutes, not three minutes. And right. then they look at podcasting. So we see a lot of people move that way. Um, th there's this problem with repurposing content. We see this everywhere. I think like every conference I go to, someone's trying to teach repurposing content. And they're like, make do it one time and then put this on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and put it everywhere. Put it on a TikTok. And now you've got 12 pieces of content. Well, you have 12 pieces of crap. Like they weren't made for any of those places. And so I really think like there's a thing that works on YouTube and it's these types of videos, you know, they're very quick and they're heavily edited and they're really clean. Um, podcasts can be much more, you know, long form, intricate discussions, right. a little bit more nuance. TikTok, there's a formula there. LinkedIn, there's a formula. And so I do tell people quite often, like it's, I like repurposing, but repurposing ends up needing to be something like, mm -hmm. I've thought through this and I've written a script and now that script, I'm going to use that as the basis for my TikTok video and for my YouTube channel and for my podcast discussion. Um, so I don't love the idea of just taking YouTube videos and ripping the audio for a podcast. Instead, right. I look at someone like Sean Cannell and Think Media. They have a YouTube channel that where they do in-depth gear reviews and they teach video. And then they have a podcast on Buzzsprout where they're talking in-depth about here's what was going into these videos and what went into these decisions. So if you're the super fan who really loves the channel, but maybe you want to listen during your commute, now there's a podcast component for you to go much deeper. What's interesting is um, I don't have any uh, mainstream TV anymore. I have no YouTube TV and nothing. I don't have, I, you know, I can't even get local news. And um, the, uh, the, what I watch YouTube on is mostly 20 to 30 minute content. I don't subscribe to channels that are three minutes. I, I don't, yeah. it's not no interest to me. So I have probably, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm the outlier. You know, I probably have a hundred channels that I subscribe to on YouTube and not a single one of them have a podcast. So for me, I don't go to those channels. I don't want to hear the podcast. I want to see what they're doing in their the video. in the video right. have no right. desire to listen matter of fact some of the some of the youtube channels they don't even talk you know it's like one guy up in canada is building a um you know building a um uh a, you know, basically a bug out place and he's it's not like that but he's that's where he lives and right. it's he doesn't even talk during his YouTube. So there would be nothing to listen to, but Extremely I guess boring podcast, you know, and in some sailing shows and stuff like that. So maybe, you know, it really depends on the type of content you're, you're listening oh, to, it does. you yeah, know, and I, time. you know, I do a tech show, so I have really no interest <laughs> in going to listen to other tech shows because I already do, you know, two hour, two and a half hours of tech every week on my own. So I think it also depends on, you know, what you're listening to, but I don't know. I, it, it's still, uh, to me is when I think about the average podcaster, um, if, if, you know, if you build a successful YouTube channel, you're making money, you're doing very well, but only half a percent of YouTube channels 
maybe a little less, 0.3 or 0.2, actually monetize on YouTube. And there's millions and millions of hours being uploaded every day, stuff that will probably never get seen, like this channel on YouTube, very rarely gets seen. We've been on this thing for many, many years. We've never qualified for monetization, uh, but yet we have people watch the live stream. So I have no chance of monetizing through YouTube at all, zero. Whereas the podcast, uh, you know, is essentially my tech show is fully monetized, but it is, I don't know, it's a different perspective for me. So I, I guess maybe I'm having a hard time getting on board thinking that for most podcasters, YouTube is a viable medium to build an audience. I, I maybe for discovery, but I just, you, show me an average podcaster that has huge number of YouTube views and I might change my mind. Someone that has, that is just taking their podcast audio and putting it up as YouTube without video, just taking the audio and putting it up as video. I don't think that works. Now, if you're doing video production, I expect it to work. But if you're just taking audio and putting it up there because that's what everybody says you should do, uh, show me one of those shows that have 10,000 plays. Yeah, I don't think those shows exist. Exactly. I'm totally with you there. Taking the audio only and sticking that on YouTube is a terrible YouTube But that's so, what people are being told to do. Well, I would tell people not to do that. I actually said that to Kai Chuck and Charlie and everybody at YouTube. Um, yeah, I think that that's a very bad experience. And if YouTube decides at some point to launch a audio only experience or audio first experience, that's when podcasting gets very interesting on YouTube. But at least what I'm kind of hearing, I, I don't want us to come across as like Spotify's bad because it's oh. a platform. YouTube's bad because it's a platform. I don't see average podcasters doing well on these other places. I really want to like pose the question, what is the positive view, um, the positive future for podcasting that's open? Like, well, what can we do? We have three I different... Uh, hosting platforms. Um, actually, Blueberry, Buzzsprout are both recently talked about new monetization options. I know um, Rob with AdvertiseCast has been doing this for a long time. What's the positive mm -hmm. monetization uh, that we, you know, future that we are telling that's better than the YouTube setup or the Spotify option? Well, you know, from our perspective, uh, any podcaster that wants monetization is going to be able to get it. Now, they may not well, it's make. usually larger numbers for one thing. <laughs> well, broader distribution. Yeah. But I think too, is the, we there's some reality that has to be put in place as well. So while I say any content creator will be able to monetize, well, you may end up with pay your hosting bill money. You may end up with take someone to dinner money. You may earn pay your car payment money. Those, but again, it all depends. Again, one purely on show size. So we have to realize that while we are going to give folks the opportunity to be able to monetize, which they most have not been able to monetize for many, many years, we'll give them the opportunity can, those that want to will, and then we'll see how successful that is in, in regards to how many take the mantra and, and, and enable it. But I think that in the end, the majority of podcasters, and I'm sure all three of us hear this every single day. How do I grow my show? How do I grow my show? How do I grow my show? So, you know, we're purely focused on helping giving content creators information to help them grow their show. So 
so that they can be successful and they can make a lot of money and maybe have a great YouTube channel and all those things that we all want them to have. So I think the positive thing about podcasting is what is and what has been since the inception is it's open and I can listen to podcasts nearly anywhere that I want. And more importantly, my listeners can listen where they choose to, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Amazon, Google, iHeart, Apple, wherever they want to listen. They, or they want to listen on my website, they can listen there too. I don't care where they listen, as long as they listen. Yeah, I always say there's three questions that we get from content creators. They want to know how to start, they want to know how to grow, and they want to know how to monetize. Um, and the last few weeks, um, I'm sure you've seen, like we are trying to start tackling those second two questions for the first time at Buzzsprout. How are we going to help podcasters grow and monetize? So we've launched um, Buzzsprout ads to help do that. I think kind of when we talk about YouTube and Spotify, the thing they have that we all want are listeners. And they have these positive network effects by having all the listeners and having all, a lot of shows and they have advertisers and all together. And podcasting, because it is decentralized, that's really wonderful for lots of reasons. Um, the downside is it actually makes recommendate, uh, recommendations and discovery harder. And so that's one of those things we've been trying to tackle with Buzzsprout Ads is how can we use the power of the podcasting ecosystem to help grow itself? So that's a big part of why we are helping podcasters run promos inside of other shows so that we can actually start getting some of these platform dynamics without actually buying in on something like a YouTube or a Spotify completely. But as a podcaster, I don't want to allow anyone to advertise on my show. I want to have the ability to approve who's going to advertise on my show um, from that perspective. Now, ads, it's a different situation. Maybe podcasters don't care. Maybe podcasters are happy to let other podcasts run ads on, but I'm pretty selective of who I want my audience exposed to from another content person. Yeah. I mean, you, you've always carried the banner of, you know, own your own domain. It's important for you to be in control of this. Yeah. And I think that's really true. If you're building a brand, um, Spotify just had a hiccup where a bunch of wild Turkey ads got dropped into a bunch right, of shows, right. including a sobriety podcast. Right. If you're a sobriety podcast, you've been building a brand around how do we help you get out of alcoholism and into a better life. Mm -hmm. It's totally inappropriate to be running any ad. Now that was a mistake. So you sure. can, that can be forgiven and moved on. But that's why we built in like every ad is presented as an opportunity for the podcaster to accept and they get to hear the full audio before they say, yes, well, that's, that's okay or not. Cause we, you can't have that, um, brand risk. That just seems like a massive brand risk for a podcaster to just have something dropped in. I, <laughs> this is an old tweet of yours, Todd, but I remember you, you were listening to a podcast and you said it was, you know, all of a sudden a random erectile dysfunction ad was <laughs> right. dropped in. And it's like the podcaster does not know that's coming in. And then all of a sudden that ads there, like you're going to get listeners who think they don't know about dynamic ad insertion or whatever. All they know about is, gosh, I can't believe they approved that ad. That's well, so inappropriate. I think, right? I think programmatic in my opinion should never be run mid roll. It should never be dropped in 
to content because it never can match. I, I will never sign off on programmatic being dropped mid. Pre, yes. You have a little bit of control on the category side and what actually gets put on, but I'm never going to interrupt my content with ads that are programmatic that are being bought by the second and dropped into my content by the second, and I don't know what's coming. Uh, true programmatic, in order to deliver at, at scale, there is no way to pre-approve a programmatic ad that's going to run instantly. So there is risk in running programmatic, and you have to trust the people that are to categorize stuff correctly. <laughs> you know, and if it if it doesn't get correct, you know, you end up with the wild turkey stuff. So there is. Well, that's why it's so important to have have terrific subcategorization of advertisers. Um, I mean, in the early days of programmatic, we we, we didn't even have subcategories. So right. Um, so that's been that's been a more recent development that we've been able to get a little more granular on this because I I I do think that's the key. We've got to get even probably even more granular um, before it's all said and done here. Um, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with all you know this, all right? the things that you guys are saying. You know, I think that the YouTube thing, just to come, kind of come back to that a little bit, um, is is so variable. I don't know that I can think in my head that there, there's one model that I can tell a podcaster. Yeah, um, the solution to podcasting and YouTube combined, right? Uh, I think it's got to be up to the content creator to come up with that model and experimentation and trying to figure out what their audience wants is and also what the content creator wants to create uh is it shorter form content is it putting up the full episodes over there um you know i i just think it's it's one of those blank slate or blank canvas type of questions i think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish and if we look at the fact that 50 percent of podcasters don't ever care about monetizing They've got right. other agendas. They've got other Besides goals that, for their right, shows. Yeah, exactly. So we're really talking about a subset of podcasters that even want to monetize um, because they're using a podcast as a funnel. They're doing value for value. They have Patreon, whatever it may be that they're using to to meet the yeah. goals of their show. So I don't know. It's it, There's no single answer to any of this. Right. I do think it's the, important, though, that we present the best Kate, the, the very best options for podcasters. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I feel like this, this is something I just watched in the crypto space forever. It's like everyone jumps in and they say, this is the next thing. Bitcoin's <laughs> amazing. You've got to do it. And the minute it starts turning, they say, shouldn't have put in money. You couldn't afford to lose, you know, like you got to do your own research and they put their hands up. Like they never mm -hmm. told you to buy. And we can't do that as, the teachers of podcasting. I think we need to right. say, Hey, we've looked at a few hundred of the best YouTubers who turned into podcasters. And mm -hmm. the script looks a lot like Rogan. If it long form video where it's video first, it's chopped into clips so that clips can go viral. Those are on separate channels because separate channels is how YouTube will prioritize the content. And then you always talk about the podcast so that you direct people to something where you control the connection. I think for any listeners who don't, you know, really understand the technology behind podcasting, the differentiator is YouTube always sits in the middle of the creator and the audience. And you and Facebook does the same. Every platform does that. But on podcasting, 
you truly are pushing this stuff is going directly to people's phones, whether or not they, um, you know, engaged with the last episode or clicked like, or, you know, something in the last view, it's always still showing up on their phones. And that's the real power that we have with podcasting. Yeah, I'll, I'll raise the next question. Uh, it's, it's probably going to challenge us because we want to stay positive about our open ecosystem. Um, but long-term thinking out 10, 20 years from now, do we really think that this medium is going to maintain RSS as the basis for distribution? Or do we think that we are going to transition to more of an API based? Cause I mean, APIs can be done just like a podcast. It's just, it's not necessarily as, as widely open, but it can be ways that we can share content from creators to the listening platforms. Um, do we think that that's ultimately where this is going to go? Well, if you look at what Apple is having us do, um, you know, essentially there's an API push to publish a podcast that basically shows up on Apple right. Podcasts instantly, even though they say the RSS is going to be the master. Um, in a way, um, Apple has already started the, the transition. The transition. So I, you know, and I raised that with them, um, wondering what would be, you know, to me, it doesn't make a hundred percent sense how it's even going to work. If I'm the podcaster and I've given Blueberry my key to publish to a public show to Apple podcast, and we push that episode via API and it updates instantly over there. And then yet Apple says the RSS feed is still going to be ground zero. It will be the, it will be the master. My head source of the information. Well, okay. But I've sent the source of the information over in an API push. So I'm going, right. Huh? Okay. Is the RSS feed? How is ground? Why does there need to be a ground truth in my head playing devil's advocate? I right. say, is what's the difference? What's the right. difference? And um, I've had that internal conversation a few times with team members here. So, the, you know, I don't, I don't want to build an API for everybody. I don't want to, but if I have to, I'm going to serve content creators. Now, I, I'm, you know, RSS tear RSS out of my dead hands type of thing, you know, but. Um, we'll see where this goes. But, you know, if you look at the podcast 2.0 initiative, uh, if I was Adam and crew over there, they, they need to get ahead of this. I think the RSS is going to be here in 20 years. And I would imagine that it's going to be one of these baseline technologies that does not go away. It will need to improve and evolve, which is why I love what Dave, um, Dave Jones and Adam Curry are doing with podcasting 2.0 and everybody who's involved in that. Um, right. But what we have with the web is a series of protocols that do not go away. Email, we have pop, we have IMAP there's, that's how we're still delivering yeah. email and right. the clients change and the services improve, but we're still going to use those protocols deep down below and HTML and CSS and HTTP, those are all still the frameworks for the web and RSS 
is still going to be the framework for podcasting. And the reason I think that that's the case, unless, uh, and I think the only way this doesn't happen is if Spotify truly can product, take the entire industry and turn it into a platform, which I now think is unlikely. Uh, the reason that will continue to work is because there's all this great content that's out there now, millions mm -hmm. of great shows, and right. they're all available in an open ecosystem. And so what we keep seeing, all these different companies come sniffing around. They go, whoa, this podcast stuff is pretty cool. Let's put it into Spotify. Let's put this into Facebook. Let's add a new button inside of Twitter now. Let's put it into YouTube. Let's put it into Amazon. And it, every single time that happens, what they're actually doing is they're saying, this content is what's important. And we want to bootstrap our category, our uh, content library off of this open RSS. And so they're making it more and more likely that it continues to be smart to push to RSS and make it available everywhere rather than putting it in one individual walled silo. In the end, though, Tom Webster made a comment on the show last week. Listeners don't give beep beep about RSS. Okay, so in the end, they don't. They just want to consume content. They don't know. We don't care that they know. Only us here that are delivering shows via RSS well, care about this. But um, listeners, all they care about is click play and it plays wherever they may be. So, right. and, and we've been evolving away from RSS for many years now, actually. I mean, there was a time when I think Todd and I laughed about it this when we talked about is, you know, li listeners are cutting and pasting right. RSS feeds around. Um, Maybe. And for all intents and purposes, most of that's kind of dissipated. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that people are doing that as much. No, they're not, now. they're not creating RSS playlist and because it's, guess what? It's, you right. know, it's nerdy. It's geeky. It's geeky. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's I agree just, with Tom Webster, but I also think nobody gives a shit about the underlying protocols of email either. Well, that's and true. We're just excited to read <laughs> right. yeah. amazing oh, content that's coming yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. If so I, it's really, I think what I'm raising is more, it's not that RSS and RSS linked with podcasting is, I, I agree with you, Alvin, that I don't think it's ever going to completely go away, but I do think that it's, there's definitely an evolutionary path that I have felt over many years of us evolving into, you know, removing the prominence of RSS from being a fabric of podcasting. And, and that's not to say that, um, there isn't always going to be a faction of podcasting that's going to be RSS based. But my concern is, is that over time, is there going to be kind of a replacement of that, right? Of where it's almost like the coronavirus, right? So there's different variants <laughs> that grow and then the other ones decline over but, time. But so uh, that's kind I don't of know if you want to draw too strong of a Let's let's do a hypothetical. All right. Here's a hypothetical. I'm play devil's advocate. Google sends all of us an email tomorrow. And it says we are transitioning away from RSS. And the only way that podcasts can be updated in a Google Podcast and in Google is if you submit each episode via API to our platform. That's the only way 
we're going to take podcasts and we're not going to take RSS anymore. Are you going to say no? Yeah, I think that we would probably do that. I mean, you that's would, what our customers would need. Right. But, but <laughs> okay, <usually>, see? Okay. <laughs> you're, I think you're proposing a um, hypothetical that I think is unlikely to happen because the only one who right now has a strong incentive to move off of RSS is Spotify. Right. I as agree. they think we could control this and we will shape it away from RSS because that's the only way for it to be controlled. Um, I'm Google, waiting for that shoe to drop. I'm waiting for Spotify to send us an email saying we are no longer taking updates for shows via RSS. I predict that is coming. I think that will be quite a bit further out than when they turn off RSS um, feeds for Anchor. Well, they did already. Think, you, they turned well, them off and you have to actually, you get it turned off, you have to turn it on. Yeah, I think they would remove that option before mm. they... Their Spotify loves all the awesome Libsyn and Blueberry <laughs> podcasts that are out there that are in their platform. Right. If all of a sudden every show on Buzzsprout and Libsyn and Captivate and Blueberry everywhere got ripped out of Spotify, well, then everybody goes, hey, half of the shows I listen to in this app are gone. Are gone. I guess I right. need to go download Apple Podcasts. And right. Spotify then has shot themselves in the foot. I think – the product managers there are much smarter than to make a mistake like that until, um, you know, to use your analogy, Todd, they've gotten everybody inside the <laughs> castle before they close the door. Yeah. So I don't think the door <laughs> closes uh, any time in the near future. Well, they kind of already did that to all of us um, mm -hmm. years ago in the early days of this. Um, getting getting podcasting launched on Spotify, as Todd will attest, was a painful process. Very painful. Yeah, and they didn't right. listen to us. We told them what to do. Right. Right. So we have lingering memories of. of and we have, we have <laughs> every, okay. So I don't think I'm disclosing anything. I'm not supposed to disclose every, <laughs> every feed that Spotify gets from Blueberry. We were required to create a custom feed, feed for them. And it's not public. It's an actual exact duplicate of their regular feed. But in the only way we could get feeds to Spotify is if we created a custom feed for them, custom RSS feed. Now, understand, a lot of my podcasters have their own RSS feeds on their own .coms. So the issue was for Buzzsprout, it's no big deal because all those feeds originate from Buzzsprout. They don't originate off in another Netherlands. My feeds were about 80% on somebody else's .com, 20% on Blueberry. So those 80% of those feeds that were out in Netherlands for geeknewcentral.com, there, there is a copy of my Geek New Central feed in the Blueberry platform that feeds Spotify because they would not take external, external domains as the source feed that we fed them. So in essence, it, it, it's, it's a major pain. It really is. We have to run that whole, you know, we have to keep that list updated all the time. It's not a problem for if you hit, if all your feeds originate on your.com, but for us, they did not. And that's the only way we could get our customers into Spotify was to agree to that. What was the purpose of that, Todd? Why would they, why do they have you creating new because feeds? 
because because they did not want to be pulling from some.com. They wanted to pull all of those from Blueberry. Oh, they wanted well, they to make sure they were to know where the content was coming from for gotcha. content. And yet, and yet we told them the best thing you should do is create your own portal and let people submit your shows directly. And they said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. And after a year, uh, after we implemented this solution that we didn't want to implement, they opened up a portal where people could submit directly their own. So they basically did later what we told them they should have done in the first place. So, and, and we were Spotify's technical support for a long time. It was ridiculous. So, and then, then what did they do? They greased us up and they bent us over. Right. Constant takedown notices too. And if, if you published or allowed content to be published into their platform, you got an angry phone call from somebody from Spotify. So that actually happened to me when I was working at Spreaker uh, with the Alex Jones podcast. And I'm sure so, you get the report, yeah. just like we do every week, of the episodes that they have removed for whatever right. reason. So yeah, my, my experience, those have always been uh, legitimate and have been probably a good way for us to spot people who are trying to sneak by the safeguards we already have in Buzzsprout. Um, uh, it's a lot of people who are trying to oh, yeah. rip music or something and trying to get it into oh, Spotify yeah. via a podcast. And I'm thrilled to see all those bogus accounts get deleted. But, and, but we haven't had that yeah. issue. It's been content based takedowns. I have had maybe one or two music in the entire time we've been connected to them. Most of it's content related, specific titles. Um, some of which so were, what is that? Uh, I mean, maybe some of this is like sensitive, so I, you wouldn't want to share it, but like, is it, are you talking like Alex Jones type content? No, not at all. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, what that certainly, well, it could be, yeah, but, but it's, I think what Todd's saying is that there's a lot of other content related issues that they raise flags about. I mean, I've been involved in quite a few music related takedowns, um, through them over the years and, and also in the very early days of working with them. Um, we had to create spreadsheets of shows to be added to their platform because they didn't have a, a way for us to <clears throat> push RSS feeds over to them. We've so seen we a to, specific genre of content that's been targeted. and um, Right, and so we had to actually ask our podcasters to send their RSS feeds to us if you want to be in Spotify, and then we had to manually create spreadsheets, and then we would email them to Spotify to be added. That's, that's, down that's in, how they got Down started. in the weeds and way yeah, long the, gone, but... Todd, what's yeah. the um, genre of content that's I'd, taken? I'd rather not, I'd rather not okay. say, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think the only thing yeah. we ever see is the music um, and high, high levels of uh, people who it's almost always legit. And so I more than welcome yeah. it because they spot something. It's right. like right. unreleased Ariana Grande songs. And <laughs> right. Like, yep. No, I don't garbage. I don't and, think that Todd and I would disagree with you. No, I think that's that that's been, you know, I mean, it's been pretty, pretty, in, pretty, pretty legitimate thing. In the I early days, it was a lot of music, but then it turned into other stuff. Yeah. About the time COVID kicked off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but again, uh, you know, 
you, you guys have a high percentage of people that listen over there. We don't, I, you know, it's, it's very low on our end, you know, it's at, at tops 8% of our, you know, entire look, you know, what we look at is, is being consumed on Spotify. So, um, for us, it's, they're not a major player, you know, they're, they're still, you know, number three, but they are, um, but they're not, uh, they're not number one or not number two. Really? Yeah. We've, um, we had a period where Spotify was almost as big as Apple podcasts in our stats. We publish all these on, yeah, uh, on our website for people to see. And since that point, about a year ago, Spotify has um, stayed steady and dropped a little bit to 25% of the podcasting ecosystem, at least as we measure it, you know, our right, customers, right. but 114,000 shows. So I feel like it's a decent cross section of podcasting. And, but Apple has really grown. Um, so we see them at 40, about 41% right now. Yeah. Good, uh, Apple for us, and we're not talking about Apple podcasts, but the Apple ecosphere total is is uh, over 50 Google Podcasts for us is runs 13, 15%. But also I had a head start of five years on everybody on getting our shows to actually promote subscribing on Android and being able to be in Android apps. So that's why we've, you know, we've been big on getting podcasters on Android for years where no one was talking about it. So, um, and our little subscribe on Android where those apps just support the one click, just like Apple podcast does was gave all our podcasters a big boost from a, from an Android standpoint. So that's why we have such a higher number on, on Android on Google. And not necessarily okay. Google Podcasts, but Android as a as a whole. So, have either of you seen this new app, uh, Fathom.fm? Uh, yep, for, uh, no. very familiar with it. On being able to send uh, Bitcoin to podcasters, absolutely value for value. Have you um, played with like the search functionality with it? Like, do you type in and it's finding clips and podcasts that are related to the answer to your question? I have not actually used the app. I've heard of it, but haven't actually used it. We yeah, should. Um, there was another app too that was announced in Pod News today called Fountain, that uh, is linked up with Bitcoin. So, oh, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe Fountain was the Bitcoin one. Does Fathom do that too? No, Fountain is, in my opinion, one of the two best podcast apps for value for value, mm. and you can earn right. Bitcoin by listening right now on Fountain. That's a wonderful app. Um, Fathom.fm is a new, do you remember pods? Like the podcast discovery app? Mm, this, nope. <laughs> so they're kind, it was acquired by Spotify, as many of these companies are. Um, but Fathom is similar. And what you do is you type in anything, and they will find uh, all these shows that they have gone through and transcribed actually people talking about the subject that you have a question about. So I went in and typed, I think the first one was, uh, is Michelle Obama going to run for president? And instantly I had four or five different conversations to listen to where they were like, it was on point. They were discussing the merits of how Michelle Obama so would do as a president. Are they jumping to that segment? Yes. Oh, that's, I'm not necessarily a fan of that. Oh, I thought it was wonderful for finding I um I searched all sorts of things. When was the QR code invented? And it found a segment in a podcast where people were talking about the invention of QR codes. It was 
a very cool experience. I don't know if this, if the use case is there, if enough people want this, mm-hmm. but if there's something you want to learn about, um, you want to learn about Bitcoin or something, you want to go learn about QR codes or political parties, search it. So, and, uh, so how are they affording to do all this transcription on all these shows then? I wonder how that's working. I would imagine there's uh, some sort of VC funding behind this. I think they popped up on TechCrunch, which is a good indicator. There's some money behind mm-hmm. it. Well, I, you know, I, I've, I think Google's been trying to work on this too, but if they've got that nailed, that's, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I guess if the question then is when you listen to a segment, is it easy to subscribe to the show? It was very easy to continue listening to the episodes. I didn't start playing with it as an actual podcast player, just as the discovery. So I couldn't really answer that. Right. But it felt like of recent memory, one of the most compelling podcast discovery, um, you know, interactions I've had, except for, I don't know if either of you played with the new Spotify where you can kind of listen to shows and just swipe through. Um, that one I thought was pretty good as well. It's just, I love seeing like, this is an example, you know, maybe of the positive side of the open ecosystem. Somebody decided, what if this was the way that voice search worked instead of serving up a synthetic AI voice that answers your question? Instead, you're getting thousands of podcasters answering the question based on little snippets of their show. And um, the team was able to go and start transcribing podcasts to serve up inside of this new app. That's, it is it is interesting that they have done this. And I guess from a discovery standpoint, it's cool. And if they can gain market share, it's cool. But as I was talking to another app developer today and they were showing some cool things they were doing and I'm like, love to help you guys. But do you understand how hard it is to get to 1% because of the dominance of these other apps that are already out there. And, you know, if, if an app does this and enough listeners love it, then they're going to start gaining market share and become something podcasters are going to talk about. But the problem is most podcasters will never talk about this app because it'll never cross the radar. They say, Hey, listen to Apple podcast and listen on Spotify. And you know, that's where they tell them to go. So, because it's easy, um, but if I guess if you're trying to discover stuff, this is more of a listener app than it is a podcaster app. But yeah, it's much more of a listener app. I mean, yeah, which is which all it's all apps should be, but all listening apps should be. So yeah, I, there's always going to be the marketing problem for people who are entering the space. The yep. wonderful part of podcasting is, hey, there's a lot of content that's out there, and it's easily digestible by your new app or your service or your new idea. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like there has to be two roles inside of a company to make money. You've got to have the something new and exciting, but also there needs to be ways for people to learn about what you built. So you've got to build out those marketing channels as well. But we've Mm -hmm. seen Anchor came onto the scene and, um, you know, kind of ate our lunch for a while where they got millions of new people to come on and start podcasting for the first time by changing the paradigm where they said, hey, why don't you just podcast on your phone? Well, and- I would say that we didn't see a hit from Anchor, personally, because, we, we, you know, maybe a little bit, 
I don't think Anchor really ate our lunch. You know, I, I think that a lot of people that wanted to try podcasting did. And I decided that they came in and tried. And a certain number of people stayed over there and stuck. But mm-hmm. with 4 million dead shows of their own announcement, because they said they had 4 million shows on their platform, and we know that there are 400,000 or 500,000 shows that produce a new episode in the last 60 days. So that means maybe they most have 100. Shows. Most of them are dead. Um, I just played yeah. with this. I would say, that, sorry, to them eating our lunch is not um, us all losing tons of customers to Anchor. Mm-hmm. It's the opportunity cost of somebody came in and said, hey, everybody now is doing this. Make a podcast on your computer. Mm-hmm. We've come up with a new paradigm. Make it on your phone. And that was a highly attractive option. And we saw the podcasting industry go from hundreds of thousands of shows to millions of shows so that tons are being created on anchor and tons are being abandoned on anchor too. Like right, 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 right. And well, there's, we well, all, is, we all lose shows is, too. So is creating a podcast on your mobile phone going to create the best content <clears throat> is the other causation relationship there. I think is it shouldn't, but maybe it does cause, cause less quality or less less audience to be aggregated around that content. I don't know. Yeah, I'd argue it's a, a suboptimal experience for sure. Like I think right. Um, right. getting better audio and doing it on your computer is better, but it's, it, that was just me trying to say uh, for people who are coming in trying to make a new app, mm-hmm. we've seen things like when anchor came in, they did an incredible job. And when just oh, came into a crowded market sure. that was, Everyone's editing with waveforms, and they said, "What if you edited using text?" Right. Well, that's a new right. paradigm. And when Headliner said, "What if we started doing more of these videos, and we'll make it much more economical for you to make these cool share videos?" Like we can bring in new ideas, yep. and they can catch on. Um, but there has to be. So I wouldn't want to say to somebody who's working at Fathom or anywhere else, like, "Hey, it's tough to get to one percent." I'd say, "You're going to have to make." something really cool and also figure out how to get, start getting it in front of millions of people to really get this. The way you get in front of millions of people is you get podcasters to recommend it (laughs) until the podcasters, this is why I keep telling app developers all the time. I says, you got to give something meaningful to the podcaster for them to, like you said, discover, share, cross promote some metric data back. There has to be some incentive for the podcaster to say, Hey, by the way, I found this new app called Fathom.fm. I think you should use it. Yeah. Um, you know, I right. I think that's part of the key too. So, but it is interesting. I'm I'm on their website, and they've, uh, um, I did some search for our names, and seeing what it pops up. You know, my my perspective on, you know, I I also I just I run home to mama a lot too. So. The, um, I tell, and this is a saying I've had for (laughs) 15 years, you don't have a content discovery problem. You have a Google search problem. That's what I always, that's my mantra is that, you know, if you are worrying about being discovered, you know, what's the number one way still word of mouth, right? Rob tells someone about this show, or I tell someone about this show, or you tell people you've been on the show or whatever it may be. And we're going to get some new listeners from that. And it's that six degrees of separation. If someone else likes it, then they're going to, you know, it's little by little, we're going to get that spread. Um, But then what if you are 
not Todd and Rob, and you're trying to get discovered as a new content creator, well, you have to have some additional mechanism besides social for discovery. And if, if this folks solve this by being able to lock in on the content that you talked about, fantastic. Uh, but I think ultimately most people they use that big search engine sky to search for, you know, a topic and they look at the first page of those results and they click on something, usually the first of two results and they spend three seconds there and they leave. But if you can convert a number well, of the, they, they do that at YouTube too. So, right. So I, I think that's the, that's what True. we're really seeing in this bigger, broader conversation is that where, where are listeners going to discover content that fits their interests? And if and YouTube the is two that places is Google search and Google YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Right? I think it's probably true. And, yeah. and probably YouTube more than Google search for content. So. Yeah. But yeah, then it, I, the other place that I've seen a lot lately, um, and I've kind of been talking to a lot of podcasts about late, is uh, been TikTok. Oh, yeah. I don't know if either of you are active yeah. on there at all, but I've yeah. seen quite a few podcasters now who have, what they're doing is they're basically repackaging a 45-minute conversation into a 45-second, very intense, very catching story. And at the end, um, saying, you know, listen to the rest mm -hmm. of the story on the Blah 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 podcast. And I've seen a few of those because what TikTok has is incredible reach and incredible virality. And a few of these shows, when they catch the algorithm right and something goes truly viral, well, now that is just a flood of thousands and right, thousands right. of new listeners back to the show who end up being great fits and they stick around. And you don't ever know what is going to kick on TikTok. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I posted a few things over there and got a hundred views and then I did something that was not even inconsequential and got 22,000. You're like, why oh. did this, why did this go, uh, one way or the other? Probably the algorithm, Todd. Probably. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it is. Yeah, probably, probably a logo. Something you like kicked the you. dance moves from the third video. Oh, there's no <laughs> dance moves. <laughs> But you know Todd's, what? Todd's dance moves were the ones that moved the needle. One thing I'll TikTok. Tell you you put that video up, Todd, and I will help promote it. Okay, great. <laughs> One thing that TikTok has uh, perfected is uh, the t a time machine. They actually invented a time machine because it feels like it. Because that's why I um, have tried to, I've actually installed another app that slows down <laughs> the ability to open TikTok. Because if I pull it up, you're, you're right. It can be two hours disappear, and you don't know where it went. Gone. That quick or four hours, sit down and lay down in bed and flip through. And next thing you know, it's two o'clock in the morning. Go, what, what, what happened? Yeah. And it takes you down paths. And sometimes you have to force yourself off. You have to search for something to, to get the logo off the path you're on, you know? So I haven't seen a lot of podcast uh, content on TikTok. It doesn't lead me down that path very much. The, Guess um, the only I think that's really all I see now because all I'm using is the Buzzsprout. Um, we have a TikTok channel. And so we're posting really just podcasting clips. And so I think I'm running into, I'm sure both of you know, Ariel Nissenblatt from mm -hmm. Earbuds yeah. and Squadcast. Yeah. And so she's very active on TikTok. And there's a few other creators. And so those are kind of my primary, the people I see over there. Um, 
But yeah, I, but, I'm excited to see more people kind of play with the incredible virality of TikTok. Right. But you and, bring you bring up something though that I keep saying to podcasters, and, and it, something should be evident in this show. And it's one simple phrase: recording your podcast is not enough. Yeah, you know. You're you're going over on TikTok and discovering stuff. You're going to YouTube. You're seeing stuff on Instagram. You know wherever you may be hanging out, and and I keep telling podcasters that, but so many of them, that's all they do is they record their show, they put it out, they maybe do a Twitter post or Facebook post, and that's kind of it. So yeah, I think it's just a constant uh, reminder and education that has to go on around that. Because I I think if I think back to <clears throat> the shows that I did even in the early days, um, uh, that was the concept, right? I, I was trying to get listed in, you know, the Seattle times newspaper that gave a update on my coming episode or, I mean, you have to reach outside the bounds of just your, your medium. Yeah. It's kind of like starting a small business, right? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you have to reach new people at all times. And how do you do that? So, um, and that's, that's core to what we're really talking about here. And that's really core to growing a show is that you have to think outside of the, the little box that podcasting is, and it is a box and it's an opportunity is what, what, what it is. Um, but it's not the, the total solution. Yeah, we, I call this the field of dreams myth. You know, people think right. if I make it, they will come <laughs> and, right. It, whether or not if this, this is your business or if this is your podcast or whatever it may be, creating it is part of what you're doing. And you actually have to create something good that people, when they see it, they actually right. like it and they stick around. The next step is getting it in front of people. So for podcasting, I love using these big platforms that have incredible reach to get your show in front of people. So TikTok and YouTube are ones I talk about a lot. Oh, yeah. um, a big part of Buzzsprout ads is us launching this way for people to put promos into thousands of other shows. And now you have it, the exposure and at a minimum you are learning. Is this even a compelling show? Is the problem that no one's found it or is the problem also that no one's found it? And when they find it, they don't really love it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's, we, we're, dealing with two issues at once and it's, you know, I, my heart goes out to all the content creators who are, you know, you're learning editing, you're learning recording, you're learning production and storytelling. And then I hate being the person to pop in at the end and say, and also marketing too. Right. Um, so we're trying to do our best to help there, but my hat goes off to all the independent creators that are actually solving this and figuring it out for themselves. Cause it's not tough, but the benefit is when you hit it, you are in complete control of this versus um, where you're on YouTube and five <laughs> years down the line, they say, Oh, don't like action. you no more. Yeah. Right. And we've, we've just decreased your CPM or we've changed the rules or Facebook says, you know, you need to boost your post to get in front of people because you're a business. And all of a sudden you're going, well, why did I put the stupid like us on Facebook sticker on my pay on my front door of my business for 10 years? Mm -hmm. If you were just going to steal this uh, reach back at the, you know, once right. it became made sense for you, it goes back to my saying, you can't build your castle on rented land. 
So I think that's a good Bible verse. <laughs> you know, and you know, here's the thing is kind of funny too. I was, I was, Rob will remember. And part of it was Libsyn too. They, they, they were not happy with my, with my saying back in the day, but I was ostracized. Oh, you don't need drone.com. You don't need that's that's you don't need that. What are you talking about? You don't need your own dot com. So for for many years, a certain other Rob on social had his, you know, anytime I talk about needing your own dot com, oh, you don't need your own. <laughs> you know, you know, you just need to have you just need to be on a hosting platform and have an RSS feed. Uh, right. That's all you need, you know, and I was just like now, finally, probably the last four or five years. No one's saying that anymore. So, That's what I say. Rob's <laughs> Rob's gone quiet on that one. Hasn't yes, he, he has. <laughs> I'll join Rob. You don't need. You don't have to be on your own. Dot com. Okay, you whatever. You're Rob wrong. Walsh, I, can be friends on this one. I I do think the 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 wonder the really the wonderful thing is like if it's Buzzsprout or it's Captivate or Transistor or whoever, if they say like we don't like your content anymore, you go okay. I don't care. I'll just jump over to Blueberry real quick. It's or act, a big move. But if you're on your own .com, you don't even have to. You just change hosting providers, and you're you're not even you're not affected. It's 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 agnostic at that point. It's yeah, a commodity. Well, yeah, right. and it's nice for customers to be able to make that decision right, themselves right, right. rather than for that to be dictated to you by YouTube. Because the YouTube, they don't just take away your hosting. <laughs> They're taking away your monetization streams and your yeah. community and your reach and all your subscribers. It's, right. it's, and it's, and it's and here's the thing. It's the same with Google search. Google search is the same. You know, I had, a, away. I had a certain page on my personal website that did very, very well for a number of years and made me a lot of money and a logarithm changed and that traffic went away and that particular page did not make me as much money. Again, so it's not just so even though you have your own dot com, you still can be affected by the Google God, you know, the 800 pound gorilla that can come in and change the logo and apply a rule on you that you didn't know existed. One of 8000. So it's not necessarily always uh, the easiest as well to do your own yeah, thing. So on don't uh, fall into the trap of exclusives. If we kind of want to round up the the theme out of this show, <laughs> we, we kind of closed the loop here. didn't Yeah, we? I think so. Um, yeah. So anyway, I've, I've got an appointment I got to oh, get to. So yeah, we got two. We should probably hop out of here. Yeah, we got two minutes. So, uh, Rob, if you've got to go first, go ahead and give your info and, uh, then we'll, cl we'll close out and. Yeah, it can be found on Twitter, uh, at Rob Greenlee. And then, uh, you can send me an email if you want to, um, Rob G at lipson.com. Uh, happy to hear from you and, uh, you know, keep, keep podcasting. That's all I like to say. Yeah. Alvin. <laughs> yeah. You can reach out to me at, at Alvin Brook on Twitter. Love to hear from anybody, um, from the new media show listener base. Thanks so much for having me on and, uh, yeah, keep podcasting as well. I'm Todd at blueberry.com at geek news on Twitter. And of course, if you haven't already followed the show, please do so at newmediashow.com. We'll be back with you for an extra episode on Monday and then the normal show next week. So if you've noticed in the feed, there is an extra show that dropped. It was our discussion at NAB, which did get some uh, likes and some comments on, uh, on Twitter. So we do appreciate that. But everyone else, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on the new media show. And Alvin, thanks for coming on. It was a great discussion. 
we'll have to have you back soon and uh, we can continue the talk it up. All right, everyone. Thanks for seeing. <laughs> right. See you next thanks, time. Uh, bye bye.